guys, welcome to another episode of For You From Eve. Today I'm here with Isabel. Isabel is someone I met on Instagram and she has an amazing health and wellness page. So I wanted to have her on to answer some questions for us. Isabel, do you want to do a little introduction? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I am excited to do this. Um, yes, I'd love to do an introduction. Hello, my name is Isabel Karitsis. My Instagram is also Isabel Karitsis. If you don't follow me there, I am a holistic health coach and I focus on stomach issues, IBS. If you are on TikTok, my guess is you've probably seen the, what I think is more of a funny trope going around of hot girls with stomach issues. Um, <laughs> I get tagged in those videos all the time and really speak to that kind of um, experience of how women in today's society with the pressures of wellness, the pressures of social media, the pressures of just like <laughs> being alive and being female yeah. um, can be incredibly stressful. And what I see with a lot of my clients is that ends up causing stomach issues. Um, I have been there. I myself have had IBS C for 15 years uh, and went through really the worst of it during my college years and during my first couple of years in my big fancy corporate job in the years that are supposed to be as I was sold the best years of your life for me it took kind of a different turn. Um, so kind of not related to that. I ended up getting my health coaching certification. Um, I had my first job, somebody was paying me and I figured mm -hmm. I might as well reinvest that money into something I actually care about. So I did my health coaching certification and I also did my 200 hour yoga teaching certification um, because the corporate job I had was in federal government consulting and that certainly did not fill up my soul. <laughs> yeah. So I reinvested some money back into myself um, without really any intention to ever use it. Mm -hmm. It ended up being the best thing that I ever, ever did. Because a couple of years later, when I was inevitably at my wit's end with corporate America, um, it was just so not aligned for me. It was so not what I was meant to be doing with my energy. Um, I was able to pivot into this kind of space that I had built for myself on Instagram unintentionally when I was doing the health coaching and the yoga teacher certification. I also made an Instagram blog on the side back when not many people were doing it. This was like four years ago. Um, so there were like a couple big accounts, but that was really it. And I started documenting my journey through becoming a health coach and doing my yoga teacher certification and dealing with this debilitating IBS and stomach issues um, that evolved into today and let me actually end up quitting my full-time job to take clients one-on-one. -on -one. I have mm -hmm. courses. I have a podcast. I am now sitting in like the best way to use my energy and working with women on this whole hot girls with stomach issues. Um, and all that comes with that is just been the most expansive, aligned, exciting, scary, absolutely terrifying decision I've ever made. Um, but that is how I got to where I am today a little bit and a little bit about me. Yeah. And just a little bit on just in case someone's listening and they don't really know what IBS is, or they don't really understand it. Do you want to give a little background on kind of more of what it is, how you can figure out maybe if you have it, what causes it? 
Yeah, totally. So IBS is, it, first of all, let me back all the way up. It stands for irritable bowel syndrome, which is like the hottest word in the world, right? <laughs> so fun. Um, and it really is the blanket diagnosis where you maybe go to your primary care doctor or maybe even a gastroenterologist and you have stomach issues, maybe bloating, gas, maybe you're starting to notice some food sensitivities or something is just not really working. Mm-hmm. Um, and ideally they do a couple of tests to rule out any allergies, which are different than intolerances. Um, anything like celiac, maybe H pylori. Um, sometimes they'll do a colonoscopy to work, um, to, to exclude anything like IBD, which is Crohn's or colitis. And when you go through all of that, sometimes you go through all of that if you have a very thorough doctor and you're really serious about getting to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times what will happen though is your doctor um, will be like, oh, you know, you just have bloating and gas and whatever. I don't think it's that serious. Your blood work is normal. You're otherwise very healthy. You probably just have IBS, which is this irritable bowel syndrome. Um, it is a blanket diagnosis of elimination, which means you're not too seriously messed up, but something is not quite right. And I'm acknowledging that you're saying something's not quite right, but like you're not dying either. It's very frustrating. Yeah. Um, and that can present either typically as IBS C, so trending towards constipation, which is what I have. We're getting up close and personal here. Welcome to my life. Or mm-hmm. IBS D, which is diarrhea. Um, and it's it's normally, I think, like a 50-50 split between who falls into which camp. Because I feel like with IBS, at least of some of the people that I've talked to that have dealt with it or been diagnosed with it. A lot of the symptoms are things that we feel every single day, like painful bloating or, you know, like you said, diarrhea or being constipated, whatever it is. So how does someone kind of separate like, oh, it's just it was a bad day of eating versus maybe I should go get this checked out and it's something more serious? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that's that's one of the hardest pieces of the puzzle, right? Because when you let yourself spiral over what might've just been a bad day. And, you know, everyone gets a little bit bloated. Sometimes if you eat a lot of fiber, um, things like that, you will get bloated. Bloating to a certain extent is normal. The kind of benchmark that I tell um, people in my community and tell my clients to kind of start seeking out additional help is if you feel like your symptoms are disrupting or interrupting your life, um, like more than three times a week. Um, and that number can kind of sway depending on how uncomfortable you feel. I think it's one of those things where women need to be reminded to trust their intuition and trust their gut instinct. You know, your body better than anybody. And if something doesn't feel right, And it's been a prolonged period of time and you're uncomfortable, even if it's just a little, or even if it's, you know, something that your mom or somebody says is not that serious, or maybe it's all in your head. Um, you know, your body the best. So bring it up to your primary care doctor. If you have an annual physical, these are amazing things to just mention and start getting on your sort of medical radar. Um, because I think it's really just about taking one step at a time and finding clues one step at a time. And quite often that really just starts with telling somebody or telling a, you know, your primary physician and being like, things are kind of funky. Like, I don't really feel that great all the time. Um, Um, And seeing where that leads, that's, 
you know, one thing I, I really try to emphasize is start with one step. Like I know when you feel so uncomfortable day to day, it's, it's stressful and you want to know what the entire plan is going to be. Like, how am I going to get to the bottom of this? I'm changing my entire diet. I'm seeing 12 doctors. I'm overhauling my life. That's equally as stressful as having IBS. So, um, start with one thing, like tell one person, make one distinction for yourself and really draw the line with what your gut instinct is, is telling you. Yeah. And do you think IBS gave you any other, I obviously gave you just comfort and bloating and everything. Did it give you any like acne or maybe hair loss or anything like that? Um, that's a really good question. It's hard to directly correlate those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I will say that once I got my gut health in check and, um, kind of came back out on the other side of healing, my, this is so funny, but my nails got a lot stronger. Um, and my sense. skin got a lot clearer. Um, I used to have those kind of nails that you could like bend in half. So I could yeah. never get gel and like my nails were always peeling and I never understood why, like I would like my whole life and I've had stomach issues my whole life. Mm-hmm. I would do like the nail hardener and like just physical cues that things were kind of not really working. Um, And that was a more physical sign when I was out the other end that things were getting a lot better. Like my nails are really, really strong now. My hair is thick and healthy. Um, I still have acne. I don't know why it's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of those things are kind of hard to directly attribute to IBS, but I do think everything works together in one system. So while you may not be able to point like causation, I think the correlation is definitely there. Yeah, I agree. I've had acne for years, like since I was 13, 14 and I first got my period. And I feel like when I was in high school, it never bothered me that I have had acne because everyone around me had acne. But then once I graduated high school and everyone's skin around me was clearing up and mine never was, I never understood why. And I feel like because no one around me was having plant-based meals or vegan or just eating clean. So I never thought I had to go that way to clear my skin up. I was like, if it's not helping them and if they eat like horribly and their skin is clear, why do I have to eat good to clear my skin? That was kind of always my mentality. But as I've been talking to more people on the podcast and just doing my own personal research, I'm learning that it has a lot to do with the way that you eat. So I'm trying to be like super kind of like do a September strict like challenge where I challenge myself to not have any dairy and just to eat a lot more clean. But Do you think that your acne is maybe rooted from something hormonal or something like cystic or anything like that? Um, I'm not sure. That's a really good question. So I, you know, and I totally relate to what you were just saying. I was actually kind of the opposite in high school. I didn't really have acne. And then in college, I, my skin was pretty clear. And then I got an IUD and went off the hormonal birth control pill and my acne just exploded. Um, And I think that's more just gripes with female contraceptive and all the kind of bullshit. Um, so my acne has gotten a lot worse since getting an IUD three years ago, but before that, when I was on the pill and before that, when I was just like eating like a shitty teenager, I was fine. So it definitely makes it really difficult to understand all of the moving pieces with your body when you can kind of reflect on all of these other stages in your life and be like, wait why wasn't that happening then? And why, why is it happening now? I thought I was supposed to be over this part of my life. 
Yeah. I feel like getting off birth control is super scary. I was only on birth control for like, I think nine months, but it never helped my skin. Like I took it for my skin. I started going on it for my skin and just to like regulate my period, but it never helped with my acne and it just made me gain a lot of weight. So I remember getting off of it, but I have friends that have been on birth control for like years and years and years. And they're like, I'm so scared to get off of it because I don't know what's going to happen to my skin. I, I like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to break out again. And I just think it's so, and I was talking to another podcast guest, Kayla, and she was saying too, she was like, it's just so sad that women are so terrified of their own bodies. You know, we get off a type of medication and we're terrified of what's going to happen. And we should be more in control of our bodies and more in control of like healing ourselves naturally and organically. So the fact that yeah. you've taken these steps, you know, to heal your IBS and to heal your gut health and it is making a difference, I think is huge and so inspiring. Yeah, no, you raised such a good point. And you mentioned something that comes up with clients all the time is just this sort of deep seated fear and just kind of like we have to discount the cues our body is giving us because that's just what we've been trained to do, to be scared of our bodies and be scared of like, what is a world where we actually trust our gut instincts and eat a little bit more intuitively and natural and kind of come back to, to who we are, like, no matter what that looks like, um, is something that's been so terrifying for so many women that I work with. And I really, you know, a huge part of my mission is, is empowering women to kind of take that narrative back. Cause it's, it's shitty to deal with, to or, feel like yeah. there's so many different avenues out there for how to be healthy and how to take care of yourself and to be on birth control or to not, and to eat plant-based or to not, and all of these different things. Um, for me personally, the, the thing that I see missing the most, like the missing key to all of this, I really think is intuition and trusting your body, like what actually works for you. Um, and there are so many kind of like different avenues you can go down with there. And I know that birth control is a super difficult conversation because of accessibility reasons and just mm -hmm. necessity sometimes. Um, but as far as IBS and gut health is concerned and body image, like that comes up so much with the women in my community um, and in what I've seen just in my practice where, you know, we start with IBS and we're like, oh, you know, you're bloated. Let's talk about like what to do and all of these kind of like tips that you can Google like a better out there for the world. Um, but when we really boil it down and really start talking about what's going on beneath the surface, every single woman that I've worked with, it's all come down to relationship with self and relationship with food and relationship with like being who you are. Um, and I think that that says so much about what it's, what it's like to exist in social media and in the world today, kind of in the feminine experience and, and cope with it all. Yeah, I agree. And I think the biggest, like a really big problem with just our generation and being a woman during this time is we want a quick fix. We go on TikTok mm -hmm. We see someone with an ideal body, ideal skin, beautiful hair. And we're like, that's what I want to look like when I wake up tomorrow morning, you know? So I'm going to go on the quickest medication I can go to that will clear up my skin in three months. And hopefully it will last a while, you know, and we want these quick fixes instead of just 
taking the time and growing through the journey, we only care for the end result. So Mm -hmm. for me personally, when I think of it in my own life and my personal experience, I'll scroll through Pinterest and I'll see these girls with these amazing bodies and amazing skin and these great lifestyles because, you know, everything looks perfect on social media. And I'm like, this is who I want to be. This is the life I want to live. And it's like, okay, by next summer, I want to have my dream body and I want to feel my best and look my best. But unless I'm making those steps now and I start creating that life for myself every single day and I work towards it, it's never going to happen. You know, I have to start today. I have to start now. And I feel like I just have to think of it as in every single day is a reward. I have to wake up every morning and feel grateful that I can go to the gym, that I can go grocery shopping, that I can meal prep. And I think when we kind of switch that mindset and take out the quick fix and start working towards the journey, that's when the results will come faster and you're just going to build yourself up throughout the journey rather than just doing a quick fix and still remaining to be the same person after you get your end result. Yes. That is such a good point. Oh my gosh. I wish I could scream that from the rooftops. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, I was so that kind of person where you, you look on social media or like Pinterest or back in my day, Tumblr, like, and see these things. But what you don't see is the fact that every single one of those people, no matter whether it was working on their health, working on their physical body, working on their mental health, it starts with actually taking one step. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying in the beginning, where so often we want all, we want to know what the entire plan is going to look like. And we want to know what all of the fixes are going to look like. So we can do them tomorrow when realistically what you actually need to do is pick one thing and stick to the change over and over consistently because you're so anchored into that version of you that you feel connected to that you want to become whatever kind of goals you have the version of you that feels healthy and happy and joyful and aligned really starts with one step and I wish somebody had told me this like 10 years ago one of the biggest resistances that I see for women whether it's working on their gut health and that bloat and that kind of stickiness and grossness that comes with feeling like the things you're eating are not working for you or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, is really this like paralyzation of not doing anything because all of the steps to, to do something and to get to the final destination feel like too much. And the one thing that I'm always reminding people of is just what you said, that it starts with really just doing one thing. Like what can you wake up tomorrow and do sometimes with discipline, like motivation's not always there, but it's discipline for wanting to feel like your best self and wanting to feel healthier tomorrow. And then even healthier than that in three weeks. Um, I'd be so curious to hear from you. Like I didn't have TikTok in college and I know you just said Pinterest, which I did have, but what is the impact on you and your friends of getting to kind of see and be so perceptive into all of these different types of goals and aesthetics and bodies and habits, like from gazillions of people across the world in a span of like seconds, you can scroll through the for you page so quickly. What is, I mean, how how is that manifesting for you and your friends? Is that a positive experience or a negative experience? Mm -hmm. I think it kind of has both impacts. I think sometimes, you know, obviously there's a certain algorithm to TikTok. They know what you want to see. They show you things that kind of resonate with your life and the things that you would enjoy watching. But I think that it can both have a positive and a negative impact. I, when I was growing up just in high school and entering college, 
so many people would talk about how toxic social media is. It's so harmful. It's so toxic, yet we don't get off of it. We stay scrolling. We mindlessly scroll every single day and we don't let it impact us. And I feel like although social media can definitely be harmful, just for me in general, I've always struggled kind of with body image issues and it doesn't help when I scroll through TikTok and I see a girl who lost 50 pounds in one month and she's like, yeah, I just did this incline walk every day. And it's like, <laughs> you're just setting the most no, unrealistic. You yeah. You, you literally didn't, you did so like much more, but it's crazy. And I think when we see things like that, it definitely has a negative impact. Cause we're like pushing ourselves to just do that. And like, we have one end result. And I think that's so damaging But I think what we need to just start doing is, you know, me and my friends, we send each other girls all the time and we're like, oh my God, her body is so nice. Her hair is so nice. Her skin is so nice. And I think that can have a little bit of a negative impact because you're just looking at what you're lacking. But I think if you kind of just switch it and use social media as a positive thing, like I scroll through Pinterest and I see a vision board. I see what I want my life to be. It doesn't make me upset. It motivates me. But for some people, they can look at it and say, I'm upset. I don't have that life rather than I'm grateful. I can create that life for myself. So I think when you make that little mind switch in your head, you start to kind of see TikTok and Pinterest in a different way. I do hate mindlessly scrolling. I hate when I catch myself scrolling through TikTok for hours or 30, 45 minutes. I think it just has no benefit to me. But when it comes to maybe Pinterest or certain Instagram blog pages, I think I definitely do get inspiration. Even if I'm scrolling through your stories and I'm like, oh, Isabel worked out today. Maybe I should go to the gym. I think things like that can motivate you. But I definitely think that there's a huge impact on just like body image and insecurity when you see unrealistic girls on the app. That is like, I'm obsessed with everything you just said. And that is a mindset that I have adopted too. Like we're on a hundred percent the same page there. Um, But I think everything that you just said really speaks to like a larger societal issue we're having right now where you could interpret all of this stuff as damaging and negative and stressful or you could take responsibility and remove yourself from what's not serving you and decide to view things as inspirational and view things as like what is possible for you knowing that you have the tools to take care of yourself and the discipline and whatever it takes to really anchor into that version the the vision um I think social media is a really cool space to have expanders and to have people who help you realize that what you want is possible, whether that is the dream body or that is making six figures or that is like uh, adopting a mindset of just general positivity, like whatever it is. I think that perspective that you have of social media really just being kind of expansive Um, is amazing and something that I think people have a hard time drawing boundaries with Um, and I think a lot of people could use understanding how to make those boundaries like a little bit better because social media doesn't have to be a negative place Mm -hmm. if you curate it correctly and you use it correctly a hundred percent and it's definitely not it's easier said than done to just be like oh I'm gonna see this girl with a perfect body and create it into motivation rather than let it bring me down But I think also just like for me personally, I can tell what I get. Like, I don't get any inspiration from my personal Instagram. I don't follow people that inspire me. I just follow people that I know and, you know, I'm friends with or whatever. But when I have my 
for you from the Instagram, I follow people who are into wellness and health. So when I'm scrolling through that Instagram or scrolling through stories, I'm more inspired and motivated. So maybe if you're kind of see yourself in a space where you can't really like find motivation and you only get down, delete your apps, you know, log out of your personal Instagram, get download an Instagram, like create an account where you only follow pages that motivate you. So that way you're less like you're more motivated to be inspired by your Instagram rather than put down by it. I deleted Snapchat a few days ago. I was like, I honestly just don't care to see people like what they're doing. I kind of, I was like, I, I really just like, I get nothing from going through these people's yeah. stories. Like who, I don't have anyone to Snapchat. Like I have, I don't even have a best friends list on Snapchat. Like there's nothing for me on that app except looking through what people are doing. And I just hate that I care about what people are doing. So I was like, let me just delete the app. I start school. Let me focus on me. So maybe just logging out of your personal Instagrams, deleting apps. If you have to mute people, if you have to, whatever kind of just brings you down on social media, just remove it. You don't have to, you don't owe anyone anything. So you can remove whatever you have to remove and try to make it a space that's more positive because social media is huge right now. It's where people are getting, people are getting jobs. I wouldn't find any of my podcast podcast guests without social media. So you can use it to your advantage and you can make it a positive thing. A hundred percent. And I totally love the idea of like a burner account. That's just like mood board inspiration, uplifting. Like that's how my Instagram started. Like I was posting pictures of like my healthy breakfast and shit on my page. And then I was like, hold on. I don't need to be sharing this with my high school boyfriend Mm -hmm. or like the first boy I ever kissed or went out. Like, no. (laughs) And so I made a second page that was just like really representative of what I did want to step into. A hundred percent. That's why I created my for you for me Instagram. Like before this was a podcast, it was just an Instagram where I posted like quotes and a vision board. And I didn't want anyone I knew personally to follow it. It was kind of just for me to follow people I knew. And then once people started finding out about it, a few more people had followed it, but I still just treat it as like a space for me. It's like whoever unfollows it, I don't care. I don't, I don't care that no one wants to see what I'm waking up and eating. That doesn't bother me because there's people that do want to see it. So I think when you make that little switch with social media, you can really use it to your advantage. And just, if you're listening to this and like, just remember nothing you see on social media is real. Like you can scroll through the most aesthetic Instagram page, but there's days where, you know, that took hours of editing, or maybe they just went to this place just to take pictures. You never really know what's behind it. That's why I love how kind of like Instagram is expanding to more casual lifestyle. Like even our Instagram stories will show when we're having a bad day. We'll show I had the worst day. I just had to journal for an hour today or, you know, whatever it is. And I think Instagram is becoming a lot more of a safer space, at least from what I've been seeing. Do you think you've been seeing that too? Totally. And what you just said made me think of something where I feel like in our world, we are encouraged to a certain extent, like this is excluding trolls, but more just speaking to like how we interact with all of the people we've come across in our life through social media. I feel like at least in my circles, people feel like they need to be more polite on social media in terms of following people and commenting on people's stuff and responding to stories and not muting people, interacting with people that in real life actually agitate you or online on social media that you don't care about or that you don't need to see because we're so afraid to be like, oh my gosh, what if that person realizes that I haven't been interacting with them? What if that person realizes that I unfollowed them? And you apply that mindset to real life. If we were like that with people in real life, we'd be going crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really like that person, but 
I'm going to say yes to lunch dates with them every time they ask or every time it comes up because it's the polite thing to do. Like we have this weird sort of mindset in social media that doesn't make sense when you extrapolate it out to what it would be like if we were interacting in real life. And I think it's so important to actually shift that mindset on social media and remember that even if it is an electronic space, you still are the sum of the five people that you're interacting with. And that includes social media. Like we forget that. We think that that's just real life. But when you're still in charge of whose energy you're letting affect you, even if it's through a phone. And I think it's so important to be like a little bit more diligent about that and like kind of have those boundaries, even in a social media setting, the same way you would in real life. A hundred percent. And just hearing you talk about that made me kind of want to pick your brain about certain trends that we see on social media, on TikTok, and just kind of get your opinion if you've tried them, if it's BS and kind of- Oh my gosh, love, would love to help. Yeah. So number one, obviously the 12, 330, have you done it? Has it helped you? Do you think it's just something that could, something that's just going to pass by? Okay. I don't think I know what that is. The 12, 330. Yes. What is that? Oh my gosh. It's like this whole trend where you do like an incline of 12, a speed of three for 30 minutes. And all these girls post it and they post these like transformations where they lost like all this weight and people are like, how'd you lose it? Because it's like one side of TikTok is like, all you have to do is walk on an incline. And then another side of TikTok is like, all you have to do is eat clean. And then another side is like, just yeah. do strength training and have protein. So there's all these different sides. But yeah, like the 12, 330 is like a okay. huge thing on TikTok. That is so funny because that reminds me of the way that I used to work out in college. I would laugh so hard if anybody like goes to a school with a big kind of like state of the art gym, I would yeah. go to the cardio center at tech and these girls would be walking a dude it was unreal and so I obviously started doing it too because I was like well they're hot I need to do what they're doing yeah this was before TikTok but it it essentially was the same thing I would see these bitches (laughs) on the treadmill at 12 incline or 15 incline doing these like horse galloping sideways lunges kickbacks like all of this crazy ass shit like you're in the circus yeah and people would just walk past and be like, oh, and like, I am sitting there and like, is, is this how people work out like for real? (laughs) So I would start doing it. And here's what I'll say, like, regardless of what you're doing, like that was obviously to an extreme. Nobody was running. It was at like the speed three, like at an incline for 30 Mm -hmm. minutes. Like it was exactly what you just said. Um, but here's the thing, right? Like moving regardless of whatever you're doing is awesome. I hate running. Like I, I'm bad at it. Well, let me reframe. I like it. I'm very bad at it. I have a bad knee. It's just not my thing. Like I don't like running, but incline walking always felt good for me. Um, and I think it kind of goes back to the reason you're doing anything, like whether you're running or you're like, whatever your thing is, um, if you have the right reasons and you feel like it fits into your day and it makes you feel good, then like, go for it. I loved doing the incline 30 minute, like sideways lunge, lunging circus tricks at the gym. That was so fun. 
because being on the treadmill is like boring. And I also didn't listen to podcasts then either. Like this makes me feel so old, but like I just had this one super shitty gym playlist that I would play all the time. Yeah, I feel like podcasts didn't become big until recently. Yeah, I can't like walk without it. Yeah, and so like I was so bored at the gym. I'd be like, I go, but like it's the same like 30 songs on rotation. Um, And so I just feel like whatever you're gonna do, whatever gets you to find some movement, is so good for your body as far as like this is going to get I don't really know what the outcome of this trend is if they're being like this is going to give you like the biggest bubble butt and hot girl whatever mm-hmm. like it's it's marketing everything is marketing everything everything is marketing so realistically it's probably just a great way to move your body especially if you don't like lifting or running or biking or whatever like yeah that sounds dope but otherwise like any sort of impacts associated to it I would assume is just marketing it's just people kind of like being like well my body pretty much naturally looks like this and it worked for me so like I'm just gonna tell you this is the magic key to success yeah I agree I've done I've definitely done it before I think it's just like no like you said no matter what as long as you're moving your body even if you're just like dancing in the middle of the gym you're doing something you're doing more than the person sitting at home on a couch so i think no matter what you're doing to move your body as long as you're not hurting yourself you're mm-hmm. fine um yeah i've done that walk that's like i have to listen to a podcast when i do it i i i know what you mean about running i i love it but i hate it like I did track in high school. I did a lot of sports in high school. So I used to be able to run like really amazing in high school. And then the first, like when I graduated first two years of college, I never ran again, but I've had like injuries too. I've had tendinitis. I have sciatica. Like I've gone through so much where I just have not ran in so long, but I feel like once you like get better at it and you're like, okay, like this is something I can do. It's the most rewarding workout. In my opinion, everyone has their own definition, but I just, the feeling I get when it's like hot outside and I run a mile or two miles and I'm just laying on the grass afterwards. It's and yes. I'm like drenched in sweat is the best feeling ever. I love being drenched in sweat, which is so gross, but I'm like, okay, I actually did something if I'm drenched in sweat right now. No, I totally get that. I, I'll go on a run like once every four months or like sometimes more than that in the summer. Cause I love yeah. that feeling too. But in the winter for me, it's soul cycle. Like I leave drenched in sweat and I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, next trend is chlorophyll water. I'm sh- I'm sure you heard of this oh one, have you? Yeah. It's I yes. I feel like <laughs> I feel like that says it all. Yeah. Um here's the thing. Just eat some green vegetables, like please. Mm-hmm. Like get in your fiber, get in your nutrients. Start there paying $15 a bottle for like green tinted liquid. It, it's not bad. Like it's genuinely not bad. I'm a big proponent of putting some chlorophyll water in my water on a, or putting some chlorophyll in my water on like a Monday morning or a Sunday morning. If I'm hungover and feel like a dirt bag, it makes me feel like I did something productive. Yeah. That being said, I kind of think the buck stops there. Um, if your focus it like, this is what I, kind of in a different context, how I frame something similar, mm-hmm. um, like the inverse of this, if you're leading a healthy life and you're stressing out about like the one packaged thing that you ate or like the ice cream you had that one night or whatever, like you're worrying about the wrong thing. You're not trusting 
all of the hard work you're putting into taking care of yourself 99% of the other times in your week. Like if you're stressed about the packaged food or the one thing you did to treat yourself with food, like please stop stressing about that. Yeah. The same way goes inverse ways where if you are not treating your body well, but then putting chlorophyll in your water to make up for that, you're kidding yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Start with actionable things like moving, connecting to your body. Maybe that's breath work or meditation or yoga and eating better meals, more healthy meals, more frequently. It doesn't mean you have to go cold Turkey and like redesign your life to be this healthy, healthy life, but start with one meal a day. I would say that the first step is not chlorophyll. I I don't know really if that's going to do anything for your skin. It's certainly not going to do anything for your digestion. I think if anything, it's nice when you feel crappy and hungover, or you feel like you've kind of been indulging in like the richer parts of life a little too much for your own comfort. Yeah. Put some chlorophyll in your water, like bang on sounds great, but like, it's not going to be the make or breaker. Yeah. I heard that. Like, I mean, I'm sure you know this, but I heard it's like chlorophyll is literally just what makes plants green and just what makes veggies green. Like it's what's like, what's making a cucumber green. I did buy it. I'm not going to lie. As soon as I saw it cleared someone's skin up, I was like, yep, I ordered it. I actually ordered it before it was a TikTok trend. Like, like, I think like two years ago, I ordered chlorophyll and just started to like make chlorophyll water because I just loved the taste of it, which is weird. But yeah, I mean, sometimes if I'm making a green smoothie, I'll put a few drops in just because I have it. Um, But I totally agree. I think just wake up and have a celery juice. If you want to clear your skin, you'll put in that extra work to make a celery juice every morning instead of just doing an easy fix, taking easy way out and putting a few drops of something. Um, But yeah, okay. The last trend I want to talk about is, uh, this isn't really like a trend, but just curious on your opinion is Mm pre-workout Celsius, little pre-workout powder. Do you believe in it? Do you think it's not good for you? So I am not like too involved in that area of TikTok, but I will say that pre-workout has been a thing since like the dawn of time, like in college when I was trying to um, like get more proficient in the gym, I would start going to the gym with my boyfriend at the time. And like I bought C4, which is just straight up creatine Mm -hmm. that bodybuilders use because I was like, oh, like like what Isabel? like what what were you thinking um speaking from that experience so many people love celsius mm-hmm. i think it's probably fine i think going to the gym sometimes is difficult and shitty and if you have something that you can drink beforehand that whether guys whether it's placebo effect or whether you truly feel like the zest of life in this drink <laughs> If it's getting your ass to the gym and helping you connect with your body and take care of yourself and move intuitively and be disciplined and kind of like enjoy your experience in your body Mm. as a like healthy human, then yeah, go for it. I don't think the same way that we were just talking about the chlorophyll, I don't think Celsius is going to like make or break your life or your healthy routine, but I think it probably is getting a lot of people into the gym to start on that self-exploration, self-betterment journey. Yeah. I honestly, when I first, I started working out in like January of 2021. So maybe like it's almost been a full year, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. but 
I never, ever had pre-workout. I was just fully motivated just from the fact that I wanted to work out. But on some days, like even today in Jersey, it's so gloomy, it's rainy, it's dark out. It's just absolutely disgusting outside. And I'm like, I want to go to the gym after this podcast, but I'm so tired. Maybe I should just lay in bed. And I'm like, there's a Celsius in my fridge. Maybe if I, I only drink like half of it too. I'm like terrified of what I will do if I drink a full thing. (laughs) I drink half of it and I want to do like, cartwheels around the treadmill like I go insane um so I was like let me ask her about it before I go downstairs and sip it maybe she'll tell me something like that is bad for me or something like that no my only kind of thing there from like my perspective and the work that I do with my clients and kind of helping people tap back into their intuition and gut instinct and back into their body is that Mm -hmm. I will say I think things like pre-workout is one of those tools that can help you stay disciplined where you, when you know that what you need is discipline, but I think where it becomes a slippery slope is using it as a way to push your body too far when what your body is actually asking for is rest. And you know, like, oh, well, I could just go drink a Celsius and like go bang out a workout, Mm -hmm. even though my body's screaming for rest. And I think as long as you have that kind of Um, that good mental delimiter of like what you really do need, because let's face it, we, I would say like 80% of the time, most of us don't actually want to go to the gym, but we go because of discipline. We go because we know it's good for us. That's where I think things like pre-workout or coffee or Celsius, that's great. Like I drink some cold brew before I go to the gym personally, but I think where it does become a slippery slope is when you start to use that as a crutch to push your body further than your body actually wants to go without learning how to rest. A hundred percent. I agree. I think that there's, when I first started to get into working out, it was, I never wanted to go like for the first like three or four days, I was super motivated. And then after that, I was like, okay, now I'm kind of over it. Like I'm not motivated anymore, but I just got a gym membership. So the whole first month of me working out, I had to push myself to go like three to four times a week, even on the days where I just got my period and I had cramps, like I would push myself to go. And now I'm at a point where like, because I did that for a month and turned it into habit, I'm at a point now where Mm -hmm. if I wake up and I don't feel well, I don't go to the gym and I just listen to my body more. I feel like sometimes we have to make a habit of things before we, like I made a podcast episode once on discipline, self-discipline versus self-destruction and kind of just realizing when we're disciplining in our, disciplining our bodies and ourselves. And when we're completely just destroying ourselves and our bodies. So I think once you create a habit and a routine out of these things, it just becomes a lot easier to take, like not feel guilty when you take days off or not feel guilty when you're listening to your body and resting. Yes. A hundred percent. Have you read atomic habits by James clear? I haven't, but I just saw that book on my Pinterest. And I was like, I feel like I see this all the time on Instagram stories. Should I get it? Oh my God. I think you would love it. It speaks to like everything that we've been talking about just kind of in, in all of these facets. I think you would absolutely love it. Interesting. I really need to get into self-help books. I'm super into like deep, dark, like twisted romance novels. I have not stopped reading them, but I really need to get more into self-help books. I have my bookshelf right now. I bought so many books recently, but yeah, I need to get into self-help. We'll have to exchange lists because I have this problem where I can only read those books because they're like easy for me to read and I I need to read some fiction, but I always get distracted with something else. So we'll swap lists. Oh, I love fiction. Like I just started reading Colleen Hoover. I'm sure sure you've seen it ends with us. It's everywhere. And I read it ends with us. And as soon as I fell in love with that book, 
I ordered six of her books and I finished all of them in like a day. Like every single day, I just read a new one. Like I finish it and like I sit down for three hours and I get completely lost in the book and then I finish it and it's like such a waste that I even bought it. But when it comes to self-help books, I feel like all I need to do is just like five or 10 minutes of my morning, read a few pages, like get my mind in the right start, take notes, whatever it is where like fiction, I'm just like in a completely different world. So that's why I love it so much. Yes, totally. I resonate with that hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I'll definitely email you though. What are some of your favorite self-help books just for anyone listening? Ooh, that's a great question. I just finished how to do the work by Dr. Nicole LaPera. That was an amazing read of just, um, really great nervous system work. If you feel like you're very easily like frazzled by the world around you and always kind of on high alert, that was a great book to read. Another amazing one is the untethered soul. If you feel like you're, if you feel like your mind is kind of like a little asshole, that's always just (laughs) kind of stressing you out and bringing you down. That's a great read to learn how to detach from your thoughts um, and recognize that not everything you think is true and how to kind of relate to your thoughts in a healthier way. Yeah. I've heard of Untethered. So I actually started it on my Kindle. I never finished it, but heard it's a really yeah, good about like, like even just manifesting and stuff like that. For sure. It's kind of like, I'll be honest, it's kind of boring and it's kind of heady. Like I would have to read like one or two pages at a time and then stop and like stare at the wall and be like, oh my God, what did I, like, what does any of that just mean? And like, yeah. let it soak in, but getting through it, it, it was a really profound read. Interesting. I'll definitely look into those. If you're listening, I'm sure you were, hopefully you were taking notes. Um, but yeah, I had so much fun having you on the show. I feel like you were just so amazing. You speak and carry yourself so well. And I think you were very informative and it was just amazing to talk to you. I always get so inspired by my guests because I feel like I'm in the beginning of my wellness and fitness journey. So it's so cool to talk to people, to have content, but at the same time, I'm learning things and like get to use it in my own personal life. Yeah. I love that. It was so fun to be on. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm so happy we got to do this last minute and everything. 